We've been in a series of messages on, um, what was it? Fresh new year. Isn't that right? A fresh new year, four steps, and really making it happen, making it count uh, this year. And we went over how we need to walk with God. And many of you made a commitment to do that. 833 people actually filled out our response card on that, our action plan, and then service the next week. And then finally last week, uh, giving. And praise God that 37 new families have committed to tithe for the very first time. And uh, others have followed suit. And our leadership has, has uh, filled out cards. And many of you did last week. But not everybody comes to church every week. I know that's a shock to, to, to you. And so uh, I sent out a letter this week and let you know that we're going to be able to do this this week uh, only. Um, I'm not saying you can't bring in your card or whatever place in the offering plate anytime this year, but uh, this is a, um, a giving commitment card. And what I'd like for you to do, it comes with an envelope, and if you would take that at the end of the roll and pass it down. Now, we're going to do this right now. We're going to leave it behind here in just a few moments and go on to the next message, which is the fourth message, and kind of brings everything together uh, this morning. But if you would take it, this and pass it down the row, all right? And uh, so then you wrote the yellow one, not the orange one, but the yellow one, doing a lot of cards this morning. And so uh, if you would do that, I would appreciate it. And then if you have not had the opportunity to fill out the card, you can become part of that this morning and part of that commitment, financial commitment during the coming years. We've said before, uh, we don't have anyone <clears throat> sitting in the back room writing checks for as far as old money. And people think, well, the, you know, the government, doesn't the government help churches? No, the government does not help churches. Separation of church and state. No church that I know of uh, gets uh, any kind of uh, help from the government. So what we're doing is we're doing ministry based upon the giving of you, the people. And so please keep that in mind. If you've not heard the message that I brought to you last week, I invite you to go online and do that. But if you fill out the card, and then half of this, this part, goes in the envelope. The smaller portion is something for you to keep for your records, if you would do that. Place it in the envelope right now as I, as I pray. And then um, in just a few moments, we're going to ask you to pass them kind of forward. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for the many people um, that uh, committed last week. Lord, to, to do this, um, about 450, I don't know, close to 500 families. But God, we know that not everybody's had this opportunity. Some people had to really pray about it this week and, uh, and see what you were laying on their heart. I pray, God, that you would uh, lay on their heart right now to get involved, to, to go all in and uh, just say, Lord, I'm going to take the step of faith in your name. And uh, Lord, I pray they'll turn in the card right now. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Now, if you would, if you're on this side, if you just pass it this way until we reach the middle and all the way here, the ushers are gonna come right now, if you will, guys, and uh, they're gonna receive these cards. And so if you're filling one out, make sure it gets passed. If you don't do it in time or you're praying about it during the service, instead of listening to the message, uh, <clears throat> you might wanna place it in the offering plate at the end. But as they're doing that, I'd like for us to take um, the Word of God this morning. And I, what I want to do, I want to look at a passage in the New Testament called 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we find a great passage on our purpose in life. You know, you ask yourself the question real quick, and, and this is the question I want to ask you, because this morning I'm going to preach on the greatest purpose that we have as believers. So I ask you the question, why are you here? 
Now, I'm not talking about why you're at church. A lot of you are asking yourself that same question about right now. But uh, why are you left here on earth? What are you left here to do? You know, how many of you would agree life sometimes is hard? Sometimes, all right? Most of you would agree with that, I hope. And so why doesn't God in his mercy just take us to heaven <coughs> instead of leaving us here on earth? I mean, just take us the moment we get saved. Why? Well, because for many reasons, but we have a purpose in life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, <clears throat> for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. So God has a plan for your life. Some of that plan is very specific to you. You have certain spiritual gifts, certain callings in life, certain vocation maybe he wants you to have, a certain person to marry. It's very specific. <coughs> Sorry, a little frog in my throat. But very specific. However, a lot of it has to do with very general, it's very general will for your life, a very general plan. And that general plan includes glorifying God in your life by sharing the message of Jesus Christ, that message of grace, the way you've experienced that grace, expressing that and sharing it with someone else. Now, I know what you're thinking. You came this morning thinking, wow, he preached on money last week. I hope we don't have another money message. And now I'm preaching on witnessing, and you're thinking to yourself, wow, I wish he'd preach on money one more time, you know? Because let's face it. If you are a believer, if you've been a believer very long, you feel compelled to do that. You, you want your friends and your neighbors and your relatives to hear the grace about the grace of God and what has gone on in your life, but you're kind of scared. Or you're wondering, hey, they don't want to hear it anyway, and so why in the world should I bother them? Well, what does the Bible teach us, and what is the need even in our area? Did you know that in, a, um, in, a, in an article that was really printed all over the world, you can find it on the Internet, they listed the 25 most unchurched cities in the United States in 2017. Orlando was number eight, the eighth most unchurched city in the United States. In fact, there's only two uh, on the list from Florida. The other one was West Palm around 2021. And so the eighth most unchurched cities, we rank number six on people moving here and not being, not affiliating, dropping out of church for whatever reason. They don't even, even, even affiliate with a church once they, they move here. But yet we understand <coughs> that know, knowing that unless we share our faith, not only is our life not going to count for the most, but really our life is not going to be changed on the inside either. I remember one of the first times I shared the gospel with anyone, I, was, I took a guy with me, and all I did was share that little Four Spiritual Laws booklet that Campus Crusade puts out and uh, prints. And so I, I shared that with them, just kind of read it to them more than anything else. And tears came to their eyes. They, they, they were right there in the home, and they, got, they received Christ. And the, and the guy that was with me just come out just, just exuberant. He said, wow, can I have some of those tracks? He was, just, he was hooked. I was hooked. There's just something about seeing that new birth come into somebody's life that's going to really change your life. And so what are we talking about here? Well, God has a burden for it. It says, in Matthew, he says, go everywhere. In Mark, go with me. John, go as Jesus went. In Acts, go with my power. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, Jesus said this, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. 
God is a missionary God. Our God is an evangelistic God who wants people to come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. And so as we open up this passage in 2 Corinthians, we find that Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing a letter to the church at Corinth. And he's writing them an encouraging letter. And the reason why he felt led to write them an encouraging letter because the book of 1 Corinthians is kind of a discouraging letter in a sense that he confronts a lot of sin in that city of Corinth. So he's coming back, writing a letter to encourage them. The first 10 verses of this chapter talks about the new birth. He just kind of reviews the grace of God that has already taken place in our life. Then in the following, he says, now here's what I want you to do, beginning in verse 11. Here's what you need to be doing with that grace that has changed your life. When we look at it and we understand there's an urgency here. And we understand there are three things that we need to, <clears throat> to look at, according to Apostle Paul, on how we need to be witnessing and sharing our faith. One is the motive. Secondly, we need to look at the message. And thirdly, the ministry. This explains to us what needs to come from our heart. It explains to us the why of salvation and the means to it as well. So let's look at the motive. I want you to, first of all, in the first uh, 10 verses, again, he's talking about being saved. But verse 10, he says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, verse 11, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Now notice the urgency here. I persuade others. We look down in, in verse uh, 14. For the love of Christ controls or compels us. Verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. There's a, there's a sense of urgency here in the whole thing. And part of it, he says, we're accountable. You need to think about for, for a moment, Paul says, we are accountable to God. Now, what is the judgment seat of Christ? It's not the great white throne judgment where those that have never received Christ are going to stand before and be judged for their sins. You and I, who have already received Christ into our heart, we have already been judged for our sins. Jesus Christ took that judgment for us. So what is this, what is called the Bema judgment? Um, what is the judgment seat of Christ? It's where you and I as believers stand before God one day for rewards. And we give an account of what we've done with our stewardship. Okay, you've got time, you have talents, you have treasures, you have family, and Paul says you have the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in this particular passage, uh, later in uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, he talks about the money part of it, the treasure part of it. But in this passage, he talks about the witnessing, the gospel. You have the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we stand before God one day, we fear, we have an awesomeness as we stand before God, an awesome feel before God, because one day we're going to be held accountable. He says, we persuade others. Uh, this is the gospel witness. He says, and, and he goes on to say, but, when, uh, but what we are uh, is known to God, and I hope it is known to all, also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. He says, look, if, you, if all you're doing is sharing Christ for an outward appearance, you want to look better to your friends. You want to notch your Bible. 
the burden for, for Christ and the burden for the lost people of this world is just not going to last. Our motive is to glorify God. It is, he says, it's for God. Then he goes on to say in verse 13, for if we are beside ourselves, he says, if we're just overwhelmed with the burden that God has for us to share the gospel, he says, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Now he's not talking about being in the right mind as far as being crazy. He's just saying, if we're thinking clearly, if we're seeing God, things from God's perspective, we glorify God. Then, as we're seeing things from God's perspective, reading the Word of God, praying, as we said in the first week of this series, it's going to be, he says, for you, meaning the people out in the world who need the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says in verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us. Now, in some of your versions, it says compel. I love that word compel, but let me just come off the word control for just a minute. We've said that whatever is Lord of your life and whatever is Lord of my life is going to control me. In other words, I choose who's going to be sitting on the throne of my life. And when I choose what's going to be sitting on the throne of my life, I'm just simply saying that's the most important thing in my life. Therefore, I'm going to start placing my confidence in that thing. <clears throat> if it's my family, I'm going to say, look, in order for me to be happy, my family needs to be happy. Therefore, I'm pouring everything else into my family. My, I have confidence they're going to bring, bring the happiness and joy I need in my life. If it's your career, if it's your bank account, whatever it is, you're going to begin to place your confidence in what is on the throne of your life. Then, because of that, it's going to control you. I mean, if you are placing your confidence and you have to feed that God all the time, that idol all the time, it's going to control you. And he says, the love of Christ... When we are walking with God, when we're sharing our faith with others, the love of Christ is going to be controlling us because he is on the throne of our life. We see this and what happens in the Bible. Romans 5, 5, Paul also says, and hope does not bring us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The very moment that you and I receive Christ, we are born again, supernatural experience. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of our life. And the more we share Christ, the more we walk with God, the more the love of Christ is shed abroad outside of our bodies into our hearts and everybody else's hearts. We're going to love people more. Now, I know that as I, I preach, I've preached across different churches around, especially the Southeast, but the country, and I know that when I preach on this subject, and pastors often ask me to do this, I know that I'm going to be meeting with some skepticism and some churches even opposition. People start rolling their eyes and start well, not paying attention. Hey, I've been feeling guilty about this for a long time, or I just don't want to. I just don't want to deal with it because what about us? I mean, come on, pastor, what about us? I mean, are you saying that we're not important? No, I'm not saying that at all. Almost every message I preach is to the believer. Uh, in the Word of God. We have all kinds of small groups, all kinds of small groups on Wednesday night. We call them discipling classes on Wednesday night. We, we're pouring ourselves into you. It's not that you're not important, but we're doing this in order to equip you to do what? To go out and do ministry out into the world. And so that lost person is a loss to God. Hear that. Say that with me. Lost people are a loss to God. Say it with me. Lost 
people are a loss to God. It's so true. Lost people are a loss to the Lord. And somebody says, well, what about me? What about me? What about us? Well, I'll tell you, a few years ago, <clears throat> several years ago, in fact, when my kids were small, Pam and I decided to take them camping. And we were out in the woods, and we lost all three kids, all right? And so we started looking and looking, and the rest of the camp got involved in looking for the kids, and we found one. And we kept looking and looking and looking, and it got dark. It got, I mean, I was, I was tired. I was hungry. And I just turned to Pam, and I said, honey, come on, let's go back to the camp. We found the quality kid. Well, that didn't happen, of course, but you think to yourself, well, yeah, nobody would do that, but that's how we think. We want quality in the church. We don't care about the quantity. Listen, sometimes it's not about having a big church or a quantity. It's about one person leading another person to Jesus Christ. It's about the one. Jesus said that the good shepherd leaves the 99, doesn't leave them to the wolves, but leaves them with the shepherd boy or leaves them with a sheepdog and goes after the one that is lost. There's a lot more than one, but basically the Bible teaches us that most people are saved one at a time, not in masses, but one at a time. So secondly, this morning, I need to move on. What about the message? What about the why behind it all? I mean, <clears throat> isn't there many ways to God? Do we need to really worry about this? I mean, if people want to come to our church and it's, it's kind of their thing, uh, you know, cross life is kind of their thing and music kind of, their, they, they'll come and find us. But what about that? Let's look. Jesus died for our sins. Look at verse 15. And he died for all, everybody. Isn't that great? Say that with me. He died for all. He died for, all. He died for everybody. And those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. <clears throat> He's saying, look, Jesus died for everybody. So when we come to Christ, we die the old way of life. We've got Jesus Christ on the throne of our life. The Bible says here that we're all sinners. And we know that. I mean, surely as we come here today, we know that we've broken all 10 of the commandments. And for you to say, oh, I keep all the 10 commandments. Have you really reviewed what they are? Put no other gods before me. Well, we've broken them right there. Don't put up any idol in our life. We've worshiped other things. Keep the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. That's, you know, Sabbath's a Saturday in the Old Testament. Don't bear false witness. Who can say that you've never even told one of those little white lies, you know? Yeah, that dress looks good. That hair looks good. That, you know, you know. I can just go on. Pastor, that was a good sermon. I know you're lying. There's so many things in the Bible. We break them with our heart. We break them. We've broken them all. So the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that's why Jesus Christ came and died for our sins. Look in verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. He says, I'm not looking at people on their race, their creed, their, their color, their nationality. I don't even think about that, Paul says. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if any man be, is in Christ, he's a new creation. He says, look, a new creation, you're born again. That's, that's talking about the first 10 verses here in this chapter. You've got to be born again. And what that happens is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He was resurrected on the third day. 
And now he comes to our heart and compels us. He, he talks to our heart and our conscience about the sinfulness of our, our life and the hope that is in Jesus Christ. And you come to the point in your life where you surrender your life to Christ and ask him to come into your heart. And that moment, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside your heart and you're born again. You're born from above. It's a supernatural experience that has a life after that, but no works to build up to it at all. It's just simply a humble surrender to God. You see, we were enemies of God. The Bible says that in Romans 5.10. And he goes on to say, the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, through Christ reconciled us to himself. What does this word mean? So we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. The Bible says we were enemies of God. We were sinners. And just like somebody would continually sin against you and ruin your life and, and make your life a wreck and continually do it and continually, you would say, you know, I think I've developed an enemy somewhere. We've continually sinned against God. And he says we were, we were enemies of God. And now he says the ministry of reconciliation is Christ has made peace at the cross. And we've been given that ministry to preach, preach the peace of God that comes into our heart to reconcile us back to God. And you're thinking, well, I mean, what's the alternative? The guy comes and he doesn't receive Christ and, oh, well, you know, there are, there are other religions. Maybe he feels better at another religion. Well, just think about it for just a moment. A person doesn't receive Christ in their life. Obviously, God has a purpose and a plan for their life they will never meet. But also, I'm going to talk about a little bit about the subject that nobody talks about anymore. What about the judgment at the end? What about the accountability at the end? I don't want to, the hardest thing that I have to deal with as a Christian, even more than the suffering of the world, is the judgment that's going to follow. The, the hell, as the Bible says, calls it. He says to us, Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Now he's talking about really in context of you can't be perfect, so you need a Savior. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is never quenched. It's a horrible thing. Nobody preaches on it anymore. And those who do kind of air condition it, and I, I don't mean to make light of it, but that's what um, Francis Chan would call it. Revelation chapter 20 talks about the great white throne judgment. And I remember preaching through the book of Revelation on a Sunday night last year, eight, eight, nine Sunday nights in a row. And the last half of that was just, oh man, there was just so much wrath. And the message came loud and clear to everybody that talked to me afterwards. I mean, it's great to find out the information, but they were just awakened to the fact that they have friends and family and neighbors that need to know Christ and they've never shared with them. You see, I don't, I don't really, as I look at the Bible, I, I'm just not sure that this whole idea of hell was meant to scare anybody into heaven. I think it was more meant for the Christian to say, you've tasted the grace of God, here's the other afterlife. Now, what are you going to do with the gospel? Somebody says, well, I don't believe in all that fiery stuff. Well, there's a few theologians that I would say I have some respect for. J.P. Moreland is one of them that says it's symbolic. I don't agree with that, but it's symbolic. Okay, have it his way and have it maybe your way. 
is symbolic, just for a moment, argument's sake. He says the darkness stands for a void of God. Can you imagine living all of eternity without God? Think about, for just a minute, the worst horror movie you've ever seen, full of demonic forces. And that's just a small example of what a world would be without God. Fire stands for judgment, abandonment, alone, never content. The worm is for the conscience, which never dies. So in J.P. Moreland and a few others would say, hell is an eternal void of God, no contact with Christ, alone, with the most depraved people in all of society, along with the demons that inspired them. Who would want anyone that you love to go through that? And you say, well, but, but there's other religions. You know, if they don't catch our religion, they'll catch something else. The Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the road to heaven, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Acts 4, 12 tells us there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved except the name of Jesus. Now think about it just reasonably for just a moment. If there were a lot of ways to heaven, a lot of ways to get forgiveness, then you think that God would be so wrathful, so barbaric, so unfeeling to send his only son to die on a cross just so we could have another way. There were no doors to heaven. There's no way out. Not like this building where you got all these doors that you can go out and you say, well, I'm going to go out this door, this door. I've got choices. You know, here's, here's the one religion door. Here's another one. Here's ours. Here's another one. No doors at all. There's no Methodist door. There's no Catholic door. There's no Baptist door. No Presbyterian door. Nothing. And God says, I've got to, I've got to provide a door. So in the fullness of time, he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross be resurrected on the third day. And the Bible says in John 10, Jesus said, I am the door. So if that's true, then how can we not share Christ? Look in verse 18 when he starts talking about this. He says, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That is, he explains it, in Christ God has reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He's forgiving them. And he's entrusting us the message of reconciliation. He's entrusting us. He's placed his trust in you. He's placed his trust in me. And I know, I know why our baptisms across the nation are taking a nosedive. 1948 levels. Why? The main reason, some of it's doctrine, but a lot of it is we've convinced ourselves nobody wants to hear it anyway. I'm just intruding on somebody's life. And so we say nothing. It's just an easy way. There's a comedy group called, a comedy duo called Penn and Teller. And Penn, I think his last name is Gillette, made a video as an atheist. His opinion of one Christian he came across and Christianity in general. Let's roll that tape. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show. And at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and, you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the, um, what I call the hover position after I was all done. Big guy, probably about my age. 
big guy. And um, he had been the um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so we had the props from that in his hand because we give those away. He had the uh, the joke book and the and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, uh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, and he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon Pocket Edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of. Uh, proselytizing and then he said I'm a businessman I'm I'm sane I'm not crazy and he looked me right in the eye and did all of this and uh, it was really wonderful I believe he knew that I was an atheist But he was not uh, defensive, and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible. An atheist looking at um, <clears throat> what we should be doing. And I, I realize, I think he's closer maybe to making a decision that he, than he really wants to um, admit. He's thought more about it than what he wants to admit. And I don't think that as Christians we hate anybody. I just think maybe indifferent. 
think it's socially awkward, so it's just not worth the price. Because why? Because I don't love them enough. Why? Because the love of God is not shed abroad in my heart and the Holy Spirit like it should be. Why? Because I'm not really following Christ. Why? Because Christ is not really maybe on the throne of my life. Why? Because I'm not reading the Bible. And I'm not praying. I'm not really walking. Hard to export something that you're not living yourself. And so there's all kinds of things that we go through. But know this. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I'm not ashamed. He says, Paul says, I can preach it. I can teach it. I can, I can share Christ with anybody knowing they'll never come back to me ever and say it didn't work. <clears throat> Just didn't work. I'll never be ashamed. He says, it's the power of God. You know where that, that word dunamis comes from where we get our word dynamite. Now, when you, you have a stick of dynamite, you don't have to say, well, you know, I just don't think it's powerful enough. I'm going to throw some nitro on it or I'm going to throw some other explosives on it. No, you just simply light it up and throw it into the crowd and you're going to see some people scatter because there's power within itself. He says the gospel has power within itself. And he says, how do you spread it? Verse 17 of that same passage, Paul says, faith to faith, your faith to somebody else's faith. Who better to share about the grace of God than somebody who has tasted of the grace of God? Now, God could call on 10,000 angels today and evangelize the rest of the world. But he has not chosen to do that because angels have not experienced the grace of God like we have. Listen, when I go to a seminar and I'm, I'm trying to learn how to be, be a better pastor, and, and uh, somebody says, well, and I ask somebody, well, how'd that work? How'd that idea work in your pastorate? He said, well, I've never pastored. I'm not going to learn. I don't want to learn necessarily from that guy. He doesn't have that kind of experience in his life. We have that experience. We've been forgiven of all our sins. The grace of God has overcome and overpowered our heart. We've been brought at least to tears on the inside, if not the outside. We've seen our sin. We've, we've seen the reflection of Christ in our life and what it could be. We reached out. We received Jesus Christ in our heart. He changed our life. The Holy Spirit of God has come into our heart, our heart. We have the authority now under the power of God to share that grace. That's right. I just saw a movie. Um, I'll share with you that in just a minute because what, what I want to share with you is this. It's about your faith to another person's faith. You say, well, I'm, I'll never be another, I don't know, Billy Graham or something. I'll never have the big crusades. Most of the people in the world have not been saved because of a big crusade. They've been saved because one, one person told another. It's the one. You say, well, I can't get fired up about all the multitudes. I just can't see them. What about the one? Let me tell you who was the one. At one time in our church, Mikey Thompson was the one. Mark Walker was the one. Katie Rissacar was the one. Dallas Twyford, who is now chairman of our deacons several years ago, 20 years ago, was the one. Lily was the one. Will was the one. Brian was the one. Morgan, when she was younger, was the one. Ron Sprinkle, now a, a teacher in one of our small groups, was the one. Amy, Ava Grace was the one. Kendall, now in college, was the one. Edie, the one. Her family's led many people to the Lord. Ian was the one. Who's going to be the next one? Who's going to be the next one? We're going to do something 
that's going to help you. We're going to have you fill out one of those little orange cards here in just a moment. In fact, you can just pass them down right now if you want. There's an orange card at the end of your pew. Take one. Take one. Everyone take one so you'll know what's going on. Take one. Pass it down. Now, we're going to be looking at this card in just a few moments. And we're going to be making a commitment just like we've made a commitment every week. This is the last week of the four. Commitment every week. Okay? But here's the idea to help us be accountable, to help us be reminded all year. We've done this before, several years ago, and nothing really changed because we, we never had accountability. We never were inspired week after week after week. So here's what we're going to do. Christmas is the most celebrated holiday in the world, Christmas, Christian holiday. And it also comes at the end of the year. And so we can celebrate both at the end of the year. So here's what we're going to do. Kind of sounds strange, maybe. We're going to set up a Christmas tree right here in our atrium. And at first, it's not going to have much on it. We're going to have a plaque there eventually, an explanation, maybe a loop running through explaining all this. But here's what's going to happen. First of all, when the angel appeared to, to Joseph in a dream, he said, his name shall be called Emmanuel. That is God with us. So every time you pass that tree... Whatever trial you're going through, whatever heartache that you're going through, you will know that God is with you in 2018. But the, the other reason and the main idea behind it is every time you share Jesus with someone this, this year, your testimony, the gospel message, uh, whatever it may be, even when they don't receive Christ, you're going to go to that table. You're going to take one of the cards we're going to supply for you. You're going to put their name on the card so we can pray for them. You're going to put that name in a box. Reach down and take a Christmas ornament that we're going to supply, but you're going to supply because we want you to bring them from home. We don't want this tree to look like some big, beautiful, commercial thing. We want it to make it look like it could fit in your living room and mine. It's family. But every single ornament that's placed on that tree is going to represent someone that you or I witnessed to, shared Christ with in 2018. And then at the end of the year, one Sunday in December, we're going to bring it up here on the podium, and we're going to string it up with lights, and every, every ornament is going to represent someone we witnessed to. And the goal there, by the way, is 2,000. Why? I thought about the one, the one, the one. No, it is the one. There's about 2,000 people here come on Sunday morning except for nursery, the, the preschool. And so that represents everybody, at least in a given Sunday. It represents everybody. Now, for me to make the goal any less than that, I was convicted. I would be saying, I don't believe in all of you, just some of you. All right? So I believe in all of you. I believe all of us are going to get involved in this, at least one, and hopefully a lot more people share Christ with than one. Our, what about our children? You know, they... they they, they share Christ with somebody, that seven-year-old, that eight-year-old. They come in, and they proudly put, pick out their own ornament and put it on the tree. What about you when you take your, your children to the tree with you, and they're just kind of following you around, and they say, Daddy, Mommy, are you going to put something on the tree? Yeah, this week I am. And they pick out an ornament for you, and you're able to hang it on the tree. Then as we come to bring it on the podium, there will be 2,000 decorations on this tree. We're going to string it up with lights. We're going to light it up, and every single light is going to represent the people that we led to Christ, that actually made a decision for Christ in 2018. And when it lights up, it's going to be a tremendous celebration. Now, dear friend, you and I have the weapon of the gospel. It is the power of God into salvation.
Pam and I just recently went and um, saw a movie. I'd recommend it to you. It's a good historical movie. I think fairly accurate probably about Winston Churchill called The Darkest Hour. And he was the master of words. And it looked like England was going to go down in Dunkirk for the last time. And he, he got on the radio after going on a subway or a train and talking to everybody about the possibility of surrendering because they were about ready to surrender to, to Hitler. And he says, you're going to have their flag flying up all over everywhere. going to have to put it on your houses. Do you want that? And they said, no, what do you want to do? And he says, fight. They said, fight to the end. So he got on the radio inspired by that and gave probably his greatest speech of all. At the end of it, in the movie, a man looked at his friend, who was the greatest opposition to Winston Churchill, who wanted to surrender, who had almost convinced the people to do that in Parliament. And he asked this man, he said, what just happened? And the man replied, the English language has just been weaponized and sent into battle. Well, dear friend, God has weaponized the gospel of Jesus Christ and he's calling us and challenging us and empowering us to take that gospel into battle. Who's gonna join us? Who's gonna join us this morning? You have those orange cards in your hand. One of them says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share Christ with somebody every month. That may be too, maybe a little bit more than you wanna bite off. Once a year, maybe that's too less. Well, just write a number in there, write it big on the card. Put your name on it. Here's what we're going to do. Instead of just passing them around, here's what I want you to do at first. You can always place it in the offering plate, and I invite you to do that. But the altar is right here. Why don't we come this morning and just say, I, I'm, I'm filling out the card here, and I'm going to bring it to the altar. I'm going to tear off my portion of it and place it right here on the altar as I, as I bow in prayer. I'm going to pray that God would make me the witness that I've always wanted to be. Or I'm just now finding out about all this. And God, I want you to do a work in my life. I want you to teach me how. We have classes for that. I, I want you to teach me how. I want you to give me the burden. I want you to give me the joy of sharing with others. And God, with your grace, this is what I want to do. And you're coming. You're coming. And just placing it in the only altar. Maybe you'll drop it off. Maybe you'll stop and pray. Whatever God leads you to do. Let's stand right now together. And right now, we're going to have some music playing in just a moment. But even right now, you come right now. You come quickly. Even before we sing anything, any before we play anything, you come right now. You take that card, fill it out, bring the card to the altar and just say, this is what, this is the desire, God, of my heart. This is the desire of my heart. I, I want to be involved in this. I want to be all in on this. God, would you do a work in my life? I want to be part of the the witness tree. I, I, want to, I want to be participating. And maybe you're coming forward and you're saying, I, I don't think I can maybe do this, but, but God, I, I want to share. Um, I want you to share with me. I want you to help me to read the Word of God and become the Christian I need to be so I can export something that's of quality and tell other people about something that's really counting in my life. Right now, you just come Drop off your car, go back to your seat, pray right here, stand up, kneel, whatever you'd like to do. And then as these are coming, let me just also ask you this morning, would you say this morning that you've never received Jesus into your heart? You're, you're one of those standing kind of on the outside looking in, and maybe everybody here thinks that you're a believer, and, or, or maybe your closest friends even, but they don't know. They don't know what you know. 
They don't know your heart. They don't know what you're going through. And right now, you want to make that decision for the Lord. Would you bow with me right now with heads bowed and eyes closed and say, Pastor, I, I want, I want to receive Jesus into my heart. And I invite you, if that's the prayer of your heart, to pray this prayer with me silently as I pray aloud. Lord God, I want Jesus in my heart. I don't want to go another day without knowing Jesus. And so I turn from my sins, from being the God of my own life. And I ask you to come into my life. Help me to be that born again, that supernatural experience that can only come from you. Lord, I place my trust, I place my faith in you that you can guide me to be the person you want me to be. And I'll pray it in Jesus' name. As these are at the altar still praying, I want to just challenge you this morning. You had a welcome card as you came in. Maybe you didn't fill out one of these orange cards, so let me give you a card that you can, can better deal with perhaps. But on the back of the welcome card, you'll find a little place there. It's shaded in green. I decided to follow Jesus Christ. I've invited Jesus into my heart. If you prayed that prayer with me, I want you to put a little check on that box, all right? It's right on the back of that white welcome card that you received inside the worship folder this morning. If you would do that, we'll help you grow. <clears throat> we'll do something to help you grow as a Christian. We'll help you take the next steps as a believer in Christ. There's other places on there that you can make a decision as well. Uh, other things about baptism, if you're interested in wanting to know more about Christ. A prayer request time, whatever it is, you can write that down. And in just a moment when we receive the offering, you can place that in the offering plate. Others that have placed these cards here, you can also place that card that you have. And you say, well, I didn't come to the altar, but I, I really want to get involved in this. Place that card <clears throat> in the offering plate when it's passed. And I know that, I, I know what the card says. It says, hey, I'm praying for the evangelism ministry of Cross Life. Everybody can do that. I endeavor to witness. And <clears throat> some people, most of you, you need to put a check there. But then the fourth one, I will endeavor to pray for those with whom I share Christ. When you pray for them, after you receive the Lord. They, they receive the Lord or just receive your witness in their heart. And so that goes in the offering plate just a few moments as it's passed. Let's pray for that offering right now. God, thank you so much for all that you've given us. And God, we, we have a, certainly a lot on the plate today. <clears throat> we've uh, reached out to you, God. We've asked you to do something great in our life. And God, this is the greatest thing that could happen to our life, that we go forth from this place and even this week, sharing Jesus with someone. I pray, God, that 2018 will be a year where we grow in Christ exponentially because of the time that we're spending with you and then the time we're, we're spending serving others and the time that we're spending um, also sharing our lives with others and the gospel with others. And God, I pray that you bless those right now that, that give. And God, it's so crucial that we have that that in order to carry on the ministry of this church and do so in a way that would be glorifying to you. And Lord, we pray that we would be blessed abundantly so we can share more and more with people on the outside of these walls. And Lord, I pray that you bless that. Pray that you bless our lives this week as we go forward. Not only be a, a witness with our lips, but also with our life. And God, you would give us great weeks, great weeks this week that we would learn from you and we would have joy in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thanks for listening. You can find more sermons and other information at crosslifechurch.com.